I am Frank, and today I'm joined by Scott. What's up, nerds? We got Kevin, finally back. Hey, hey, it's good to be back. I messed you up on that one in a little bit. A little bit. All right, and we have a very special guest from the Joy Stick Show. I love that name, by the way. We have Thomas. What up, what up, guys? Uh, thanks for having me. Thomas, can you give us a quick rundown of what the Joy Stick Show is? You know, honestly, uh, it's very similar to what you guys do, which I love. Uh, you know, we have news, reviews, and we have uh, some hypotheticals every once in a while. And uh, kind of our whole shtick, if you will, is we play games and kind of meet up online. And while we are gaming, we're talking about the topics. So you actually are playing video games while you're podcasting? Yeah. Why are yeah, we not doing it's kind that? Of us. That was the original intention of what when I started streaming on Twitch. That was what I was going for, and I yeah. could not do it. So I, I give you guys props for that. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, believe me, like depending on the game, there is some long pauses. <laughs> there is some uh, a little bit too many curse words. There is uh, a lot of frustration. So we've kind of learned which games work and which ones don't and uh, and who can play and who can't. Yeah, maybe Minecraft, something like that. I could see possibly doing except for when a creeper pops you or something like that. But yeah, yeah there's a couple right. out there. That'd be okay. Exactly. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know when Taff and I are having a conversation and I'm playing World of Warcraft, it just ends up with me running around in circles for an yeah. hour. Um, and then I was like, man, I really had stuff I needed to do on here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Exactly. Every once in a while, one of our guys is just running into a wall. Yeah. <laughs> classic. The classic <laughs> Fortnite move for me, anyways. Eesh. All right, let's go ahead and get to our question of the week. If you were to start a show set in Middle Earth, but it's not a fantasy adventure, we got plenty of those, what would you pitch? I'll start things off to kind of get you guys warmed up. I want Real Housewives of Mordor, so we got some orc honeys that are just being like real angry with each other. They got swords, <laughs> so you know how like normally they'd flip over a table, this time they're going to stab a bitch. They're going to get real hardcore. The other thing is I want House Flippers Shire Edition, because those houses are immaculate. I want to live in them so bad. And then could you just imagine being like, you know, if you guys read the books at all, they're real classes in, in the Shire. There's some like real level um, family level stuff. So I would like to see some, you know, gossip and like, oh, I can't afford this hole in the wall. It'd be great. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Scott, we're going to start with you, man. What do you think? I don't know the name of the show because I don't actually watch it. Um, it's like what, like the rat Good race start. or whatever, right? I don't know what that Where, is. It's I don't know. It's like random Isn't families. Isn't that a 90s like, movie about like a race across the country? I don't know. It's like random families that like race across America or something like that. I have to Google this. Okay. So you want that in Mordor? Yeah. 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 We, we I think just Mr. Bean was like, in it, right? Like That's orcs. the movie. Yeah. Yeah. You know, orcs and yeah, it's basically the movie, except they're just, they're, they would be racing each other instead of murdering each other. We're talking like the amazing race? Yeah, yeah, that one. Let's go with that uh, one. The CBS yeah, yeah. one. Wait, I think. are you yeah, yeah. seriously <laughs> talking about the amazing race this entire time? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Look, something about ra random people racing across America God, sounds damn. like a pretty good fucking description, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> okay, so amazing race, but like I get it. Yeah, you're trying to like first one to Mordor wins. <laughs> yeah, you know, we can Last just one get just everybody into in there. the Mount Doom. Couple couple orcs, co couple trolls, you know, some humans, some elves, some dwarves, you know, they'd have a great time. Classic drama, classic hookups. That happens every time. So I was going to go with Big Brother, but I don't want to stick with the CBS reality show thing. So I'm going to go sort of on the same level, but Pawn Stars. I've never seen Pawn Stars <laughs> or Auction Wars or anything yeah. like that, but I would yes. love to see a Middle Earth version of that. I don't know what it would look like because I don't know much of the lore of Lord of the Rings outside of the three Lord of the Rings movies. But 
I, I figure there's going to be some some dirty hobbitses that have collected a lot of stuff in their days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do Arkenstone. Can you imagine if the Arkenstone? I'm basically talking to Scott on this one. Can you imagine the Arkenstone showing up to the Pawn Star place? And you're like, oh, it's the most valuable damn thing a dwarf has ever held in his hands. Sure. Let's see. No, 40 that's bucks. A fake. That's <laughs> yeah. a fake. I could, I, I could do 12. Hobbit's like, uh, let, me, let me call a guy I know. Okay. He always and he's going to come yeah. check it out. <laughs> Those were all great ones. Uh, the one that I came up with, and I'm not a reality TV fan, but my wife loves this show, and she's kind of sucked me in, which is called Love Island. Yeah. So I want to <laughs> do Love Island, yes. Valineer, or Middle Earth in general. So, you know, the hottest hobbits, the hottest trolls. The hottest hobbits. You know, all, Aren't all hobbits and, hot? And, <laughs> you know, all of them aren't created equal, I guess. I don't know, but, you know, you just try to... Uh, yeah, we just put them all together in a villa, and then, yeah. you know, we'll see who's left, whoever's the best couple at the end. So, yeah, I'm going with uh, Love Island, Middle Earth. I'm just going to point this out. That's another CBS reality I was, show. I, the first thing I thought, I was like, we all want reality shows overall, too. I love it. I mean, <laughs> right. CBS found what they were good at, and they stuck with it, you know? And no. I, I can't blame mm-hmm. them for that. Survivor started something. Literally, uh, just a quick network note. Later this month, Outlast podcast of the Geek Freaks Network's coming on. <laughs> turning on, and it's going to be the new season of Survivor. So, yeah, I mean, we we make we podcast off that shit, so it makes sense. Um, <laughs> I, I like. I mean, some you got some hot elf action, but then all of a sudden you got the sexy Hobbit mm-hmm. walking through the screen. I'm on board. Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> then, you know, hey, the orc That's with the, the banana six pack. Seen. I mean, <laughs> if, it, if an orc cleaned up, maybe someone would be into that. I don't know. All right. Let's go ahead and get into our network news. I, I mean, I can't get these visuals out of my head now. Uh, September 10th, <laughs> we're going to be live at Capital Creative Showcase in West Sacramento. So you guys in Sacramento area, Northern California area. This is a brand new. Well, it's actually like the second year they're doing this. Local indie game devs all uniting to share their art, share the process of developing games with new people. This is held on held by Academy here in uh, Sacramento, which is really cool because if like if you have an idea for a video game, they're going to help you develop that into a video game. It's a really cool collective here in, in Sacramento. So they're holding this convention. We're going to be there live podcasting. Actually, I've been talking with some of the guys. We got the big stage, guys. We got a big screen. We're going to be doing Smash Brothers tournaments on it. We're going to be interviewing game devs it's gonna be so cool and yes tyler's been bugging me he's also going to be competing uh, with original nas tetris he's such a big fan of it he actually competed down in arizona last month so come on up hang out with us guys and meet a bunch of game devs it's like 40 game devs that are going to be there we're going to be interviewing as many as possible it's going to be a blast so come check that out uh what else we got oh well kevin's back for for trek freaks and pushing buttons that's pretty crazy yeah, pushing button season three is coming out in two days after this episode of Geek Freaks comes out. Uh, first season, uh, first episode of season three, Scott will be on there with Kyle and myself, and we're going to be talking about season passes and battle passes and what I've been doing for the last two months. So, listen to that. That already pisses me off. Just saying battle passes, it just gets me all fired up. <laughs> Doesn't it just make your blood boil? <laughs> it happens often when I'm editing your guys' show. That's why, like, I light up your guys' DMs all the time when I'm editing. I'm just like, yep. this is bullshit, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, let's go ahead and get in the news. We had the Rings of Power come out this week. Let's get some immediate reactions. Thomas, did you watch this? Oh my gosh, yeah. What'd you think, man? Yep. Oh, so good. I mean, just right off the bat, I, uh, you know, was a little skeptical. Uh, some of the guys on my show, because they had read the Cimmerillion, they read some of the earlier works, you know, that kind of inspired the Lord of the Rings. They were, they were a little hesitant. And I think because of that, it made me hesitant. 
But after that first episode, I think even after the first 15 minutes, I was like, this is going to be great. And I felt like it delivered through the first two episodes, just the styling. It was, you know, it gave me Peter Jackson vibes. Uh, it, it had the right aesthetic. The CG looked great. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. You've, you, you hit it on the head there. Right? The entire time I'm trying to compare it to Peter Jackson, which is not very fair for this show to try mm. to compete with something that basically my established my love for fantasy, but it, it was, that's what they're doing. Yeah. Right. Um, was there anything mm. that really popped out to you that was like, that's what I wanted from Lord of the Rings. For me, it was a lot of these like wide Vista shots and then close up shots of people. Like they did a really good job of going back and forth with that. What'd you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think you're, you totally nailed it in the head. I don't know if it was uh Valinor in the beginning, yeah. but that giant elven castle, and then you pan out and you see those large trees and, the light i mean just the visuals in it was just incredible it was they really hit it on the head and i was like oh that's what 440 million dollars looks like yeah that was <laughs> fantastic yeah that, so yeah. yes everything looked looked beautiful for 440 million you can live there yeah <laughs> seriously you know kind of being the cynic of the group yeah, yeah. i was really excited for it I'm a, I'm a big lord of the rings fan honestly everything with the elves was very boring I really enjoyed the dwarves. The dwarves were a lot of fun. Um, yeah. You know, oh, it, was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was crazy. Like seeing a, a dwarf woman for the first time. We've never seen that before. You know, kind of cool. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the hobbits like living in these pop-up houses and stuff. Cause they're like hiding from the world. I thought that was really neat. You know, we'll, we'll never have another agent Smith Elrond, but the guy playing Elrond, honestly, he bores me and he's kind of whiny. And I don't Freaking like negative it. Nancy. Um, God damn. And yeah. Galadriel's <laughs> okay. You know, like, are I'm, you serious? Oh yeah. No, no, no. I got to yeah. step in. I, just, oh. I get okay. Um, and this like obsessive revenge, blah, blah, blah. I don't know, man. I'm not, I'm not digging it. Like the whole Elvin's because we're going to follow these people through literally thousands of years of history. Yeah, that's fair. I I would honestly Man. have liked some better casting on that. Oh my personally. god, this kid, dude! I love oh. her so much. Gladriel is so <laughs> awesome. Like that, just the look in her face when she's deciding whether or not to jump off the boat. And I was just like, "Ooh, I'm in this with her. This is so cool." She jumps off the boat, and then I'm like, "Now what, girl? You're out there." And that whole <laughs> second episode with her in it was something completely unexpected for me. It's like water based episode, but I was so heavily invested in this, and. It was just so, I mean, visually, this show is spectacular. The Dwarven Kingdom, amazing. I want to be there. And uh, it was just so cool. Of course, Callum Brimdor's brought up, and I'm like, oh, you know, Shadow, or uh, was that Shadows of Mordor fan? Losing my mind over that, of course. Was there, yeah, the elf stuff was definitely slow in the first movie, or first, it felt like a movie, first episode. But I think they're picking up. I especially think the fact that Gladwell's out on her own is a very good thing. Elrond, we know what's going to happen with him if you guys know just a little bit of the history of Lord of the Rings. So we know how that's going to shake out. And I'm excited to see that unfold on Elrond. I, I second that with Gladriel. I mean, she, uh, I don't know, just her little uh, expressions and everything. It just feels like she's confident. It feels like uh, she is driven. And I think that's kind of the cool thing. You know, you know, we're thousands of ways from what we've seen in, go, uh, in the Lord of the Rings. And uh, yeah, she just, I don't know, she's, for me, really kind of driving. I'm really invested in her story. So yeah. I think she's great too. Her and the stranger. I want to talk about the stranger a little bit. Any predictions on who the stranger is? Because I think there's two big ones. Thomas, what are you thinking? Who do you think this is? 
you know, maybe this is a stretch. I, I am not as well versed in Lord of the Rings and like the deep lore, but instantly I saw that I was just like, oh, right when he crash landed at the end of episode one, I was like, whoa, was Sauron there? Is this how they're going to bring him in? But then I was like, ah, oh, maybe Gandalf yeah. or somebody related to Gandalf. Two. Yeah, that's kind of. Is that what you're thinking? I, you know, and I, Gandalf doesn't quite work. I mean, there's like, if you think of like, oh, well, per, before he's Gandalf, he's this other guy who controls fire, yada, yada, yada. And it's like, mm -hmm. I can't think of them making a show that has Elrond and Galadriel and not bringing Gandalf because the three of them talking together, making plans is kind of like the cool council of the other's movies. So it's like, you got to bring in all three of these guys, whether or not it actually works, who cares? Bring in Gandalf. I think this is going to be Gandalf. And he's hanging out with hobbits. Well, the halfton, what do they call them? Halffoots. But he's yeah, hanging Harfoots, There yeah. we go. He's hanging out with basically hobbits. So he probably gets the affinity with them here. I, I think this is it. And he's talking to moths or fireflies, which is like when he talked to moths in the movie. So I think we got something here with that. You know, I'm kind of confused by it. Of course you are. Because, Son of a bitch. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Like, I'm fine with it. I, I think it's interesting. And I'm, I'm invested in, in that little plot line. But, you know, I know enough of the lore to just be confused, which is okay because honestly even tolkien was confused there are actually you know christopher tolkien you know who's put together a lot of his father's works he even says like there's so much on the wizards but it's like random jotting down of notes a lot of it's you know like not legible and it contradicts each other depending on what year it was written you know but there's there's two different stories main stories about when the wizards came uh, it would have been possibly about this time period, but it was the blue wizards. Yeah. The two blue wizards. The other story is that they all showed up in the third age, which is a few thousand years from now, all pretty much at the same time. Now in the one where it's the blue wizards, it says Gandalf came last. I think the idea Tolkien eventually had was like some of them came early and failed. And so then others were sent later. I I kind of get Radagast vibes. I could see that for sure. But I was mostly confused by the fireflies dying after he like set them up into the yeah. constellation, which doesn't really feel like any of them, except yeah, for maybe, Sorani. you know, obviously the blue wizards we don't know anything about or a Saruman thing, you know, cause he's a little more like a taker of power. You know, he's a little bit more ambitious and might not care about the lives of the fireflies. Kevin, you haven't watched this yet. Listen to us talk about it. Are you more interested in watching it or you don't give a shit? Um, I was already going to eventually watch it probably when all the uh, episodes are available. Okay. I don't know how many there are going to be. And this is, I'm just now hearing that there are only two available. I thought they were already all available. So shows what I know. But yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it. I'm more interested in this than I am uh, House of the Dragon. It's funny you say that. I'm more interested in House of the Dragon. And, and I, it's probably because actually like I've read into that world a little bit more. But yeah, I, uh, what do you think there, Scott? I know you're, you're kind of in a both. You've read both of them. Which one are you going with? Which one's your favorite so far? Or are you more interested in? Um, so far, I think it's still definitely Lord of the Rings. With that being said, I haven't seen the latest episode of House of the Dragon. Um, but there are there are a lot of things that I like in in the Lord of the Rings series. You know, uh, I was like, I don't know. There, the Rings of Power is really going to have to do something impressive for me to be like, this is a little bit better. But I think I'm kind of leaning that way, where I felt like the Rings of Power were like, I don't know. It's just 
I'm not so worried, I guess. Like, there's so much tension in House of the Dragon, and that's what makes it great. It's very surprising, but there's something truly for me, like very in the I don't know how else to say it. it's like in the it's very a heritage piece of fantasy, I feel like for Lord of the Rings for me. Because I remember being a little kid and going to movies and watching, you know, the Fellowship of the Ring and just being like, This is incredible. I've never seen anything like this. It it just kind of piqued my imagination. And I feel like again, it's kind of catching some of those original uh, feelings that I had from the Lord of the Rings. So I don't know. I think this is, I'm going a little bit more towards the Rings of Power, but right now it's like a 60 40. Yeah. It's, so, yeah. we're so lucky to be fantasy fans right now. <laughs> Basically, it boils down to that. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's go ahead and start talking about Halo Infinites. They're changing their plans. And really, this kind of is an interesting stance in the industry. So Halo is delaying their next season, first off, to March 2023. So it goes from a three month season to a 10 month season now because they're delaying it so much. Next, they're delaying the Forge, which is, you know, something that was from the old games and uh, co-op mode, which I know for myself is like one of the big things I was looking forward to. They're delaying that out till November 28th and 343 is completely ditching the split screen. Do you feel like players are cheated out on something if they bought the game wanting split screen? I want to say yes, but if it, I'm under the impression it wasn't already in the game, then they Correct. promised to implement it later. Yeah. And then they decided not to. I mean, that's just what you get with uh, games that are going toward that live service mentality now. And that's yeah. that's just where video games go. And yes, it is kind of cheating somebody out, but it didn't exist there to begin with. So you're technically not losing anything. You're just losing the promise of a future something. So you don't technically lose anything out of it up front. And I'm pretty sure those people that bought the game, it's been out for what, a year now? Something yeah. like that? Something like that. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah Dece December 2021, I think. Yeah, yeah. So it's people have already gotten their money's worth or their Xbox Game Pass worth out of it. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, no, I, I, no big loss to me on my, from my perspective. I, I still play uh, Marvel's Avengers every once in a while. And, uh, you know, there's a good group of guys that I play with and that's what makes it fun. But talk about like, you know, promising things and under delivering. I mean, that game has been doing it since launch. Yeah. And I'm still a fan of it. If you're a fan of the Halo series and you're enjoying playing Infinite, yeah, that definitely sucks. But, you know, they're saying you're going to get it next year. You know, I guess you're just going to have to hold tight and enjoy the game for what it is right now. We also have the Forge that's being delayed. And I don't know if you guys have been looking online, but man, the early stuff from the Forge is game changing. People have recreated all of Endor, like the, the Endor scenes in Halo. I can't wait to check this out. This is so cool. They're beautiful. And it's a really big feature, and I think it could breathe second life into this game, especially for a live service game. I mean, think about like Fortnite has its custom ability, and if you've ever played with a kid that's under fifteen, that's the part they're not—they're playing. They're not playing the actual like main game. It's so weird. Have you played the Forge at all in past games? And do you think this is the key to Halo Infinite being successful in the long run? You know, I uh, I kind of dropped off after Halo Three. I know mm. a, another thing where people are gonna hold, like poke or hold me at the stake, I guess. <laughs> but uh, I'm I'm more of a PlayStation guy okay. as of right now. Uh, watching all of Halo Infinite, though, it definitely is kind of intriguing me to buy an Xbox. But I don't know if that's necessarily the thing. Uh, my sister has been playing, and she can't rave enough about how awesome the story is. Yeah. The one thing that she's really wanting is the co-op mode. Same. So she's like, she wants co-op stories super bad. So 
Uh, she's not really down for playing online and she's not really a competitive player, even though it sounds like that's what the devs want to do is really make this a competitive heavy game. I, I, you know, I don't know if the forge is going to help with that, but I think there's a lot of players out there that want to be able to play the story co-op. Yeah. yeah. That's the feature I was looking forward to the most myself. But yeah. Scott, have you tackled this game yet? I'm not a Halo fan. Uh, I've never owned an Xbox. This fucking, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I was, uh, you know, when the first Xbox came out, I had a PlayStation 2, and what else did you need at the time? Uh, and then I graduated to a PC, and I never bought a PlayStation or an Xbox beyond that. Yeah, so I, I don't really care about Halo. Um, I mean, they, they've got a pretty good track record, though, you know, for the most part. So I think they're going to be fine. Um, I think what's important, you know, looking at so many games in the past few years, um, gamers' expectations are just going to have to start changing. And business practices are going to have to start changing. You know, these game developers, not the developers so much, but the companies, they like to promise all these things. And there's a difference between saying we're going to do this and this is something we would like to do. And sometimes gamers, you know, will take potential as promises. So it may be best if companies just kind of keep shit to themselves, (laughs) you know, and I, I like the uh, like the Steam early access philosophy, which has always been you are buying the game for what it is right now. If you don't like what it is right now, don't buy it. Don't buy yeah. it for what it is now and then complain about it. You know, that that's always been the Steam, the Steam early access kind of thing. Unfortunately, of course, then companies have, you know, a lot of the publishing companies have turned around and said, well, we're going to put out this very, very unfinished tech demo of an early access game and charge full price for it. And I think that is also wrong. Used to be these early access games when they were very early in development, you could get them pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. And then as they built upon themselves, they, they increased in price. Consumers need to ch- temper their expectations and learn to, to buy things in a more responsible manner. And I think yeah. gaming companies need to learn to set our expectations in a more responsible manner. Which of those two things that you just said, do you think is more likely to happen? Cause I don't think either of those <laughs> things are going to happen. Um, you know, I, we've seen no man's sky do it. You know, we saw fallout 76 do it. We saw cyberpunk do it. And it goes all the way back know, to fable. Uh, yeah, like that's the earliest thing that I could think of as Peter Molyneux going out talking about how great and grandiose the world of fable is going to be. And then it ended up being a really good game in and of itself, but it was nowhere near what he I don't want to say promised, but he kept speaking like the game was going to be. It, it didn't have the features like with No Man's Sky and cyberpunk, like you were saying. Yeah, you know, I I thought that the cyberpunk debacle was going to kind of, you know, between that and Fallout 76, because those are two big games, big companies big hype you know it's not no man's sky which just kind of came out of left field but these were like big name games that really really struggled at launch i mean especially you know um cyberpunk and i thought maybe this will wake some gaming companies up and really seems like they're like well it worked out for them in the end so let's copy that model and i'm like yeah holy shit (laughs) like that's what you got out of this situation i'm i'm (laughs) so lost in the sauce 
I, I know I'm kind of going off on a video gaming tangent, but I'm wearing the proper I, shirt. Dude, I was going to call it your shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, that reminds me of when uh, Mass Effect Andromeda came out, and everybody just assumed, everybody at BioWare just assumed that that game was going to come out and be another massive success because of BioWare magic. They'll just put the game out and the game will be great. They called it BioWare magic, and that game flopped, and it showed that that stuff does not work. You can't just hope a game will be good when you're the one making it actively not good or promising more than it's going to be. Uh, I think it's uh, there is an onus on the consumer or on the video game buyers to kind of temper their own expectations. But some of that is also on the mostly the marketing and the publisher to communicate effectively with the developers, which I think has been a really big part of over promising under delivering is publishers promising stuff that developers are, don't even know that they're supposed to add to the game and there's countless stories of that happening but yeah that's well that was a tangent wasn't it <laughs> that was good man another topic for another time i think really you're building up there but yeah. expectation versus reality uh, but yeah i think there needs to be a better feedback system and like world of warcraft forms and i've got to mention wow every single time World of Warcraft Forms is a very good example of how it gone bad and can go good, where there's a, a place where people can bitch and complain and moan, and usually World of Warcraft will take the, Blizzard will take the entirety of those moans, see where it needs to fix it the most, and usually botch it, but will attempt to fix it, and I know, Scott, I know, <laughs> but... <laughs> But as of late, and I'm, I'm again, where everywhere Scott's negative Nancy, I try to be positive or two different coins, but uh, sides of the coin. But I think they're actually starting to listen to the forums and you're seeing the fandom appreciate that and lean into that. And it's like a good, you know, symbiosis between player and company when, hey, we'll complain. You see what of that you can make profitable and then we're happy and then we'll complain about the next thing and we'll just keep going back and forth. We're all happy in that way, you know? Minecraft does that quite well. Sea of Thieves kills that. Satisfactory kills that. And those are all games that we think of as stellar games I'm happy to pay for. You can definitely see it. If you're on Twitter and you're looking at any type of video game information, like the amount of expectation on what it is mm -hmm. and what the actual company is saying they're going to work on are usually two different things or way far apart in the timeline. That's a good point, yeah. too. Let's go ahead and move on to Assassin's Creed experience. <laughs> talking about expectations and claps. Um, entire, look at those headphones. <laughs> Kevin's here. We had to talk about Ubisoft. Ubisoft and World of Warcraft. This are two goals when Kevin comes back. All right. So we have Assassin's Creed Mirage. It was leaked. And then immediately Ubisoft was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what it is. So let's go over what we got. So first off, this is a return to Assassin's Creed 1 mechanics. They're trying to return to basics. Uh, they're getting a lot of the RPG elements, including like leveling yourself up and stuff like that. Basically, you get the upgrades and gears. You played AC 1 and 2. You know what you're looking for. Um, it's going to be taking place in Baghdad. And the visuals, it's like the, I think the 800s to 900s area. The visuals look very cool. Can release in 2023. Looks like spring 2023. Are you guys excited for Assassin's Creed, especially with it returning to basics? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I didn't I didn't play Valhalla, but I remember yeah. when that game was coming out and they had like a playthrough of some of the earlier missions and stuff. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just a lazy video game player, but seeing that you had to like build up a, a encampment or, you know, build all these things up. I don't know. I'm kind of lazy, I think, when it comes to that. So getting down to basics of stealth and just truly being an assassin is what I'm looking forward to. That was so fun. I still remember playing Assassin's Creed 1 and being like, this game is insane. So yeah, I'm pumped about it. Yeah. 
I think they have more time for really cool story too when they're not doing base building and, and stuff like that. The last three Assassin's Creed uh, games, I've started all of them, have not finished any of them. When I remember like the Ezio 3 games, I consumed those bad boys with such vigor, you know? And so I'm excited to just getting back to a good story like that. Yeah, that's what I was going to say to Thomas's point. I don't think it's laziness on your part. I think it's just too much diversity in what you're doing in the game on their part. Yeah. Uh, it, having a more focused goal in mind, like having the Altair version of Assassin's Creed versus uh, I forget the character's name in Valhalla, but they're exactly. <laughs> obviously vastly different games. And I liked Valhalla for what it was. I've played almost every Assassin's Creed game and hell, I've, I bag on Ubisoft all the time because they're a shit company that are run by shit people. But the developers there know what they're doing. The people that are working on the ground floor know what they're doing at that company. And they make some good stuff based on, yeah, with what they're given. And (laughs) Assassin's Creed, going back to basics, I think will be a really good move for the franchise because I cannot play another massively open world 90 plus hour Assassin's Creed game. Like Frank said, I haven't finished Valhalla. I haven't finished or I did finish Origins, but I didn't do all the dots on the map like I normally do. Right. I just I would love it to go back to the Altair Ezio version of Assassin's Creed. And I might actually buy it close to launch rather than wait for it to be 20 bucks before I buy it. Yeah. I'm going to repost that meme of you as like the Wolverine and you like loving <laughs> yeah i'm posting it again man because it's bullshit you don't like them you talk about it way too much for that to be the case you're a big fan i know i talk about them because because of how shitty they are they're an exceptionally (laughs) shittily run company we we, i don't know if you listened to the recent thing i don't know if we talked about it we all think that behind you you have whatever a bookcase whatever window Oh, i heard that i heard that in front of you you got a bunch (laughs) of posters man of all ubisoft and blizzard games i know it i got i got faith in that god you gonna buy assassin's creed or what I'm I'm gonna wait and see. Uh, yeah, you know I I personally think Assassin's Creed One, Two, Brotherhood, and Black Flag. I mean, those are the best games they ever made. Um, you know, I know the story in Revelations is really good, but that's when I I feel like the franchise hit such a level of of chores uh, mm. that I, it just detracted from the overall experience. But you know, then of course. With Black Flag, they were just like, let's make more games where we can put the boats in because that was fun. And it's like, okay, but like all these other games kind of suck. And then, you know, when they revamped, you know, I I am impressed that they were able to really revamp their whole formula uh, for, you know, Origins and Olympus and Valhalla. But personally, I play Assassin's Creed games to assassinate people. And be yeah. sneaky mm-hmm. and be stealthy. If I want to play an action game, you know, by by that genre, there's other games out there. There aren't other Assassin's Creeds, really. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just I couldn't enjoy those like I enjoyed an Assassin's Creed game because it really didn't feel like an Assassin's Creed game. It felt like you know an action game. Yeah, it feels like there has been a few games of like, look, if you guys aren't going to do stealth anymore, we'll do it. And so we've been seeing like Thief, we've been seeing some like some games that stick to the uh, stealth move, which is nice. But Assassin's Creed, you're right. You're totally right. There's been so many times where I'm like sneaking around. And then that whole thing where I think it's Altair and Ezio did it too. But they would just like dip the shoulder and like kind of blend, blend into a crowd. Mm-hmm. Simple animation that just, oh, beautiful. It's perfect. 
Yeah, and then you get up behind the guard, you stab him in the back, and you just kind of drift off with the crowd <laughs> yeah. score. And then the people are circling around like, oh my god, who killed this man, murderer? And you're like, yeah, yeah have an exit. No, one, no one even knows it's me. Hell yeah, you know, like, that felt good. Yeah, village person number one or two, <laughs> yeah, and you had that voice dialed. That was, like, spot on. <laughs> what is he I've doing up there? Of <laughs> I'm going to tell Bethesda because they could use more voice actors. You're, you're going to be in the next Skyrim. Let's talk about Star Trek now. We got some rumors over here. So after the success of Picard, they've been discussing doing a follow-up to DS9. I wish it was Voyager, but they're going to be thinking DS9. We're going to be late. Look at Kevin over there. He's anxious. Is this needed? And what kind of story would they tell us, Kevin? Is any new Star Trek needed? No. Yes. Yes, it all is needed. It is all needed because it has all been great so far. Yeah. Even, um, and we kind of have some follow-up to Voyager with Prodigy. Even Prodigy is okay. Like, it's not a bad show, and it's a good Star Trek show. I have been wanting to know the follow-up to Deep Space Nine since I finished watching it decades ago. Like, I want to know and i don't think i don't know if you guys have watched deep space nine if uh, i don't know if thomas is a star trek guy at all um man deep space no. nine <laughs> deep, deep space nine had such a good overall story that i just want to know what happened and i uh captain cisco benjamin cisco is my star trek captain he's i asked in discord a, about a week or so ago who everybody's favorite star trek captains were and i think it was uh frank and scott were the only ones that answered yeah but janeway um, and what would you pick real quick just so we know janeway and what was yours uh i'm a picard guy yeah that's, See, and, that's all the choices and i feel that uh cisco is right in between picard and janeway like nice. he's a blend of both of their characters and it, that's how the story progressed anyway because the tng led to ds9 led to voyager but yeah, I, I need to see what happened after that, because all those actors have been still active in the fandom, too. They're going to all the Comic Cons and all the Star Trek conventions, and I follow almost all of them on Twitter, and they're still active. And they're especially the guys from Voyager, but a lot of them are still like role playing as their characters on yeah. social media, which is so cool to see. Um, God, I'm, a, I'm such a nerd. Janeway does but... it all the time, and I just <laughs> full on have a geek out in the middle of Walmart every time I see that shit. It's so great. Yeah. Watching uh, the the Janeway, uh, EMH, and uh, Paris, the, those three actors, uh, yeah. <laughs> kind of like role play together. That, that it's so fun. Uh, but yeah, the the ending of DS Nine was kind of a cliffhanger ending as far as what happened to some some specific characters and what was going to happen in the future. And no Trek has ever touched on that, with the exception of Lower Decks, kind of teasing some things here and there, which they always do because they're Lower Decks. But yes, it is needed. Thank God for Lower Decks, man. It's just. It's just goodness every single time. I have never been. I mean, can you think of a show that's that way? I have never been disappointed by Lower Decks. Never. Yep. That's yeah. so crazy. Every episode, even the bad episodes, yeah. air quotes, um, episodes of Lower Decks are still fun TV shows to watch, even if they're not the most Trekky. which it's the most Star Trek of all the Star Treks. So uh, it's, ah, it's, it's so, so funny. Jonathan, he hasn't watched it yet. He says he will. But the reason he hasn't watched it is because like it's not Star Trek. I can't watch that. It sickens me oh, to see something so wrong. And I'm like, it is, but we just see like, we see, you know, Enterprise all the time, which is the best ship in the fleet. You know, you can't imagine they're all Enterprise. Um, so yeah, that's totally, he's going to figure that out. He's going to watch it soon. 
Why do you think there's this new resurgence in fandom for both Voyager and DS9? Because it feels like the new heyday, and it's such a good time to be a fan of those shows. Well, because Star Trek is back to the point where there's so many different shows, and they had Picard as a follow up, and they had three. They have three seasons. They planned out. I think they planned out one season, and then they did season two and three after the success of season of season one. But when season three is done, Picard's that's a wrap. So yeah. where do you go next? from the people that loved the TNG DS9 Voyager era of Star Trek. And that's just what people think of Picard's ending. So maybe I'm going to get a DS9 follow up and then maybe a Voyager follow up. It's just the natural progression of things. Once again, yeah. they were, I was reading a thing where they were saying that the DS9 follow up would be touching a lot of the Voyager story as well. But yeah, a yeah. Voyager follow up. I know I would lose my shit for it. And I know the Voyager crews on board because they are. That's the best part about being a Star Trek fan is especially in the 90s and up. All the Star Trek actors are happy with it. They know it's the reason that they will forever have money if, as long as they go to conventions. They know. And so they're just, they totally embrace the fans and it's really cool. Do you feel like we're going to get to a point where we have too much Star Trek? We're going to get oversaturated. I think it's possible. Yeah. Um, I've felt, not me personally, but on a, you know, a general level, yes, I do believe that that's, it's happened with Star Wars. I'm a Star Wars guy, but We've had way too much Star Wars. I'm still looking forward to all the TV shows, but I can't do any more movies yeah. for a while. I'm enjoying and this. I break. didn't necessarily. Yeah. And I didn't necessarily hate the sequel trilogy of Star Wars movies. I, I liked them for what they were. But the TV shows, including uh, the Bad Batch and the season seven of Clone Wars, the animated stuff, it was all so good in addition to the Mandalorian and all that. And I think that Star Trek could really continue to do that with all the new shows that they've got going on with one ends. They pick up with the next one and they've been doing that and it's it's fantastic and I am here for it. But yeah, yeah, it's I think it'll get too much and I think Marvel will probably end up doing the same at some point. Yeah, all that's great. I, I'm just curious as somebody who's not like super familiar with that world or has dipped off from Star Trek a while as a new person. Where do you guys where would you recommend them, Kevin, to start off and really try to like dive deep so that they're ready for if there is a uh, Deep Space Nine continued season so i i don't think i'm i don't think i could come up with a good answer for that because i would have never thought that my two favorite star trek shows right now are uh, lower decks which is a kind of it's almost a spoof of star trek yeah. while still being a star trek show right and then strange new worlds which i did not think that show was going to be a success outside of the actors i did not have any faith in that show mm -hmm. and it has blown me away in the same way that season three of the Orville has blown me away. So I, I don't know. Cause I, I just love how every Trek iteration right now is so different from every other star Trek show. So as long as they do something else, that's completely different um, with the deep, deep space nine, they can lean heavily on the, the religious aspect of it. Like they did in the DS nine show with uh, the Bajorans and their, their religion of the prophets and, or the wormhole aliens, depending on how what you thought of their, the Bajoran religion. But I think they can hit some of the religious and political ends of Star Trek that some of the other shows kind of hint at. But I think Deep Space Nine was a good setting for it, and they could further that. I would say your best bet is to go with Strange New Worlds because it's the most polished and beautiful version of the show while still being at its bones a Star Trek. And we always, a lot of Trekkies will say Discovery is not a Trek, Lower Decks is not a Trek because it's like this formula of like, new aliens, new planet every week, kind of thing like that. Strange New Worlds hits that. 
And then once or if you like that, then you're like, where's the source material for this? Then you go watch Next Generation. And then you're a little bit more forgiving of the bad graphics. You don't want to go in on those bad graphics maybe nowadays because it's, you know, what, 20, God, 20, maybe 30 years old on some of this? 30 years old. Holy cow. And so, you know, it's, it's aged. But then, yeah, once you get after that, then you can't. And it's only 10 episodes of Strange New World, but totally worth a watch, in my opinion. Scott could probably answer but Scott could probably answer that question. He just recently has watched a lot of Star Trek, right? Um, well, let's see. I watched I watched Next Generation and I watched Deep Space Nine and I was in the middle of Voyager when they took it off of Netflix. Um, and I had seen Star Trek Enterprise before that, which is, you know, like the prequel to all of everything. Um, I think for for me, although Picard is my favorite captain, the Next Generation is not my favorite show. Um, I like Deep Space Nine, and it 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 honestly frustrates me when people are like, "Well, these things aren't Trek shows because they're not following the Trek formula." Like Deep Space Nine, I think is is really good because it breaks the mold of Star Trek. Um, because they couldn't constantly rely on this. Hey, we're at a new planet, so we have all these new things to learn. It has the best character progression that I've seen out of any Star Trek show. And, you know, yeah, like during the next generation, they're constantly like running into Romulans who are mad at the Federation (laughs) because of some war that happened sometime. Like you never really get into it. But when you're on, you know, on Deep Space Nine, you can't just go to another planet and, and, and build a story. You have to continue stories that begin. So we learn so much about the Cardassians the Bajorans, the cultures, the religions of this much smaller group of people. And, and we, we hear about, you know, the different horrors that people went through during the Cardassian wars. Um, and we see the politics evolve on this station. That's supposed to be a neutral ground. Um, and, you know, we see, uh, a Ferengi grow up to be the first Starfleet, you know, Ferengi Starfleet officer, you yeah, know, that's so um, cool. we, we see like, there's, there's so, you know, we literally see these kids grow up and go on about their lives. You know, Captain Cisco's son wants nothing to do with Starfleet. And he's confused by that because he feels like I'm supposed to follow the footsteps of my dad. And, you know, dad has to be like, son, do whatever you want. You know, what makes you happy? Um, so I think there's just such such a much better character arc there um, because they couldn't rely on the formula. And I think that was great Star Trek. Yeah. Damn. I just, Very well put. Yeah, it really was. It's so well done. And I just love guys watch watch Trek Freaks or listen to Trek Freaks comes out every <laughs> Thursday. Now we're moving that one to Thursdays. Uh, a lot of the shows got moved around a little bit because we have new shows coming back and a new show launching later this month. So check all that out. All right, let's go into the headlines. So here's our headlines real quick. Uh, if there's any of them particularly you guys want to dive into, let us know. First off, Umbrella Academy's Steve Blackman is now creating a Horizon series for Netflix. So Horizon Forbidden West, that kind of thing. Jeffrey D. Morgan is joining the boys. That's always good. House of the Dragon is renewed for season two already. Uh, showrunner uh, Miguel Chipnick, Chipronic, <laughs> there we go, is stepping down to take a break. He's going to be producing. Alan Taylor's replacing him. Alan is the director for a lot of the big episodes of Game of Thrones, including the one at the end of season one where Daenerys gets her dragons. 
Legendary is looking to leave WB Studios because of all the shakeups going on over there. They might be taking like King Kong and Dune with them. So that's a really big shakeup. Any of these headlines you guys want to dive into? I love that uh, Eric Kripke, the executive producer of The Boys, has, is bringing in all these supernatural alum. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, I love it. I love it. So that, I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. yeah I mean, I Jensen Ackles and The Boys was such a good time. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, he was fantastic. The only thing I was going to add was, I mean, of course, House of Dragons getting a season two. Yeah. And like two of <laughs> yeah. the and like the biggest premiere of all time on HBO. So, yeah, I don't no surprise there. Yeah. It's definitely like already paying for itself. It's crazy rare that a show actually gets more viewers in its second episode. This one did. And actually the viewership mm. actually went up from episode one to episode two. So, Oh, yeah. I think it went from like 9.7 in the premiere to like 10.8. I want to say yeah. on the second, which is crazy. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, and then, yeah, Steve Blackman, everything he's done on Umbre Umbrella Academy. I know it's like a real acquired taste, but I absolutely love that show. And so to see what he's going to be able to do with the characters from Horizon, because I always thought like, oh, the world building Horizon is going to be cool. But with Blackman, I'm now more excited about the characters because a lot of those side characters that um, Aloy talks to, that's going to be neat to see, you know, in Blackman's hands. So I'm pretty happy with that. All right, we're going to do our recommendations for the week. I'll kick us off with Welcome to Wrexham. This is on FX. It's also on Hulu if you're not, you know, old and watching cable anymore. Um, and it's Rob McAhenney from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's Ryan Reynolds. They buy a soccer team in the middle of Wales, spelled W-A-L-E-S. Thanks, Scott, for correcting me on Twitter. And, <laughs> and it is such a fun, heartwarming story. You got these two guys who don't really know what they're doing. And it's all true, by the way. This is actually a true ha documentary that happened in 2020. It's it's coming out in parts, though. And you got this town in Wales. It's like really hoping Deadpool could save them. It's such a cool story. It's worth checking out, guys. Uh, three episodes are out so far, and I'm loving it so far. I'm already like trying to buy a jersey, but every jersey they have on the shop is sold out. Every size. I was like, I'll get a child size and mount it to the wall. Everything's sold out. So I'm trying to get one. Super bad. Yeah. Can I just add to that, too? Oh, my gosh. I I'm loving that show. Oh, good. You're watching uh, it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's like, it's weird to think of an underdog story that includes Rob McElhenney yeah. and Ryan Reynolds, but it is an underdog story in that the team is, you know, very low on the list. Like, I don't know what it is, the fourth division down from Premier League. Yeah. And it's like the hook is Ryan Reynolds and Rob, but like where you stay is is for the team and for what it does for the town and just like the heritage behind it it's it's so cool and it's not like something i would have been familiar with had it not been for this show so i highly recommend that as well very well put that was very well put um do you have any other recommendations tom that you want to do for the week no i think we touched on a lot of them um i'm honestly on my show we recommended uh welcome to reckless as well oh, so cool. yeah i'm right there with you yeah. yeah gotta check it out guys scott what do you got for the week man um, I'm actually going to recommend that game we played uh, last night, Stolen Realm. Yeah. I, I had a good time on that. Yeah. I was like, hopefully he hits me because I think Kevin's going to say this. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, I believe it came out in 2021, but, uh, you know, it's in early access, but, you know, it was, it was really clean for early access. Um, and, you know, so much customization, you know, and the, the strategy does, you know, the first few battles you're like, okay, this is really stupid easy. Um, but dev, you know, definitely we had to get where we were cooperating and coordinating and that was, that was really fun. Yeah. It's like D and D where everybody goes at the same time or you don't have to go at the same time, but if you communicate effectively, 
yeah it, it it's it's a lot of fun definitely take your turns though because if you don't yeah you're gonna kill each other um yeah so just just a good segue into something we're doing on our youtube channel guys we're reviewing games we've been working with this lurk company we're gonna be getting some game keys or whatever so uh, we're gonna be reviewing those games throwing them out there we're going for like four minute reviews because we know that four minutes is long enough to know if a game's good or bad so check it out i can't wait to review this one i'm gonna i already recorded the video for it i was so surprised at how good that game was i mean at a left field we thought maybe 30 minutes then we'll move on to wildlands again we were playing for like good three and a half hours last night it was so good yep it was a lot of fun kevin did you have a different recommendation or are you sticking with that one yeah, we talked a lot about um, the CBS reality shows, and I got to say this season of Big Brother has been so good that if you've never watched Big Brother or if you haven't watched it in a long time, this is the season to go back to it. I'm okay. not as big of a fan of it as a lot of other people that talk about Big Brother. I've only seen like maybe six or seven seasons total out of the 24 of the mainline American Big Brother seasons. But yeah. this season, I, I've really, really enjoyed it. There, there's so much backstab it's 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 the drama of it all that ma- just makes it so freaking entertaining to watch and uh, it's so good big brother's good this year did you watch i think it's called the champ i'm in the middle of watching it i don't remember the name it's like the championship or whatever they have like a lot of the cbs reality stars the challenge the challenge thank you did you watch that it, no I, I think that's an mtv show but the this season of it was with all cbs reality P- i don't know yeah I, I think it was just a big paramount plus thing yeah, that the company, they were trying to <laughs> viacom cbs owns both of those mtv right, and so yeah. um i i'm in the middle of that and it's pretty cool to see some because i'm a big survivor fan and amazing race fan and so i'm like take out that big brother bitch <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so funny fun. that that you watch those two and I watch the other one and neither one of us will watch what the other one I will watches. eventually watch Big Brother. It's just, it's a lot, guys. Especially once Survivor kicks in, it's also the new season of Outlast Podcast. And that, talk about note-taking, my hand dies after the end of that. So that's Big Brother intense. is also three new episodes every week. So it's Holy hard shit, to keep up with Big Brother. Jesus yeah. Christ. Oh yeah, maybe I won't be watching that. <laughs> 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 All right, guys, thank you very much for hanging out with us. I want, before we leave, I want to make sure you guys hear about Joystick Show. Thomas, can you give us a little bit more on this? Where can they find you and all that fun stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, man. Uh, you can find us on Twitch. We record live at 8 p.m. Uh, every Monday night, uh, Pacific Standard Time. And uh, we are anywhere you can listen to podcasts, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. And yeah, if you want to hang out with uh, four local guys from Hawaii who live in various places around the country and now just game and talk about nonsense, uh, please join. So thanks so much for the shout out, guys. Appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah, definitely check them out, guys. And also follow them on Twitter, Instagram. All the links are going to be in the description. Make sure you guys just click around and follow everything. Uh, And review. It's so important you review podcasts, us too. But also Joystick Show. Make sure you review everybody. Thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week. We're going to be live at Creative Capital Capital Creative Showcase in Sacramento. Bye.